Well, hello, everybody. So we were kindly introduced. This is Scott, and I'm Kristen. Um, and we have some pictures of our fine four boys. So I am outnumbered. Um, this was taken this past Christmas time. And we have now freshman twins, which are kind of the taller two, a sixth grader. And the kind of little pumpkin one in the middle is a fourth grader. And he actually looks like a sixth grader. You may see him roaming around out there. Um, so tonight, we are really excited to be here and um, just excited to talk about emotional intimacy. Yeah, so, uh, so I also brought another picture I wanted you all to see. This is funny to me. So you can, yeah, there we go. So part of that, the one on this side, I wanted you to see that just to prove that at one point in my life, I did have hair on my head. In fact, a really good set of hair. I grieve it a little bit when I look at it. It's long gone. I started losing it uh, a very long time ago. And so this is what you see before me now. The other reason I bring that picture is because I wanted you to see a picture of my mom and dad. So my biological dad passed away when I was a young boy. I was six years old. Mom remarried when uh, I think I was nine or 10. And that's a picture of my stepdad. Uh, His name is Bob. We called him Mick. He was the one who really raised me. And uh, my stepdad passed away in March of last year. So March 4th, 2017, I lost my stepdad to a long battle with, with Alzheimer's and still kind of gets me a little bit emotional when I think about it, uh, but he really did a great job of, of raising me. My dad, stepdad, and I'll call him my dad, worked as a, a sporting goods rep. And so a sporting goods rep, essentially, he was the middleman between a sporting good manufacturer So I think something like Nike, Under Armour, any kind of big company that makes anything for sports, and then a sporting goods, um, you know, store. So like Dick's Academy, my stepdad was the middleman between those companies. And so anytime a new product came out, he was the one who would represent the two sides and help make the sale between them. And so every year when a new line of products would come out, they would do these huge national shows. Think Dallas Convention Center, Atlanta Convention Center, Chicago Convention Center to be row after row after row of companies selling the newest products. And the coolest part about it, why I love these shows, is that they always got the big athletes to come rep the new merchandise. And so it would almost be like if a show took place today, Steph Curry would be there repping the latest in Under Armour. LeBron James would be there repping the latest in Nike. Uh, Jordan Spieth, I'm not a golf guy, I just know that name. He would rep whatever Jordan Spieth would rep at a sporting goods show. And so uh, when these shows happened, my dad would be there and he'd come home and he'd have a stack of autographs for me every time. They'd be note cards, they would be pictures, you know, glossy pictures of the athlete signed. Uh, They would be personalized to me. And so these were all the big athletes of the 80s. You know, so uh, the example I brought is one from Pete Rose, who was you know, a great hitter in the 80s. Think Pete Rose in the 80s, not Pete Rose in the last 25 years. Okay, Pete Rose in the 80s was the best of the best. And not only did he sign something for me, but he personalized it. And so I get these personalized notes from all these famous athletes. I kept them. I put them in a a scrapbook. There's no other way to dice it. I scrapbooked as a young man and put them all in a scrapbook. And uh, and as I got older and, you know, and later as we have these four kids, you know, I do great on pastor salary here at Watermark, but I started to think through what are some ways that we're going to pay for four children to go through college? And so one of the ways I thought maybe it would be great to get some of these signatures and sell them. Uh, And so I started looking through them one day and I realized that they all kind of look the same. 
And so the curvature on the R's was the same, and my name was always written the same. And, and so I turned to my, you know, called my mom and called my brother one day, and I'm like, hey, you know those stacks of hundreds of autographs from my dad, or from dad, are those real? And they both started laughing at me, and apparently I was the last one to know that my dad forged every single one of those. <laughs> And so in my home to this day, in, in our office, I have a scrapbook. That's problem number one. Problem number two, it's a scrapbook filled with worthless autographs of my dad. And so as, uh, as I think, you know, he passed away now, and so it's okay for people okay to talk about it. But I was so mad when I found that out. I'm like, okay, not only are they fake that you lied to me for years, but now my children are not going to go to college, and I hope you're happy about it. And so uh, as I look at it now, I just realize, you know, that the point of that is that fake is absolutely worthless. Okay, I've got a scrapbook filled with fake things. Fake builds walls. It, uh, it hinders relationship. When we put walls up, we feel cheap, we feel used. It doesn't allow the intimacy that, that God intends and that we desire between one another. And all of us, to some degree, we're fake. We, uh, we're not real about some parts of our life. Some of us are not real about any part of our life. And it's the exact opposite of what God intends for us in marriage. The problem is it's that we're not just fake with one another in friendships and at work and in the neighborhood with our kids. We're fake in marriage. And not only is fake worthless, but it's the opposite of what God desires for us. And so tonight we are going to talk about something we don't often talk about called emotional intimacy of what it means to be intimate with one another emotionally. So there are three things that you need to know tonight about emotional intimacy. One, we'll talk about the definition. Two, we'll talk about how emotional intimacy was lost in the Genesis 3 fall of humanity. And the third thing is what was once lost can still be restored. Yeah, so the definition of it, very simple, intimacy is to know and be known without fear of rejection. So typically we think of when we hear the word intimacy, we think solely of sex and physical intimacy. That's certainly part of it. But we're going to talk about a part of it called emotional intimacy, where we're able to be naked without shame with one another, where we can know our spouse, be known by them, and not fear being rejected in any way. The best picture of what emotional intimacy looks like comes in the creation account in Genesis chapter 2. So just listen to this story. Most of you have heard it before, but listen with fresh eyes and ears in Genesis 2, 18 through 25. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name him. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So what happens there? We see this picture, and we're going to talk about tonight what it means to be naked without shame. I don't know about you, but anytime I look at myself and there are no clothes on, I feel really shameful. 
There are other times when I'm fully clothed and I look at what's in the mirror and I'm ashamed of, of what I look like. There are times in relationships when I'm fully clothed and I'm ashamed of what I'm like as an individual. God designed us within marriage to be naked without shame, to know, to be fully known without fear of rejection in any way. It's such a beautiful picture in the way that God designed us and intends for us to be in marriage. That could look a lot of different ways, but when we think about emotional intimacy, what it could look like is that we would know one another's past, that I know all the parts of Kristen's story. She knows all the parts of my story. I have a, a dark past, a lot of things I'm not proud of. Kristen knows those, and, and I'm not ashamed uh, to be with her, to be naked without shame with one another in our past. And then in our present, what we struggle with currently, what we're afraid of, what we hope for, what we desire. Right before we came up here, we're sitting in the front row, and I just turned to Kristen, and I, just to be gut honest with you, I go, I'm terrified right now. I'm afraid of what people think. I need you to pray for me. And, and I don't fear that Kristen's going to laugh at me in that moment. I know that she loves me, that she cares for me, that she's going to encourage me. I know about her struggles with control or pride or people-pleasing. She knows how I struggle with eating and lust and insecurity and people-pleasing as well. We know where the other is satisfied in marriage. We know where the other one is dissatisfied in marriage. But it's also about our future. We know each other's hopes and dreams for the future. I have a, a big dream of writing a book and we've got to work on that together. I have dreams of leaving a godly legacy behind with my children. Kristen dreams of raising godly young men. She wants to, to do a triathlon with our children. Those are just a few of the, of the dreams that we have together and we share those with one another and we're not afraid to share them because of emotional intimacy between us as a couple. So it's to know and to be fully known without fear of rejection. The problem is, is that that is the ideal, but we don't often live in the ideal. In fact, we very rarely do. And so the second point is that emotional intimacy was lost in the fall. To be naked without shame is awesome in principle, but unfortunately, the fall of humanity, it ruined it. In Genesis 3, we see the man and the woman eat the piece of fruit. At that moment, their eyes were open, and even though they were naked before they ate, after they ate the piece of fruit, there was something radically different. Sin had entered the relationship. Emotional intimacy was lost between them as a couple. The eyes of both were open. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. We go from what we saw in Genesis 2 of being naked without shame to fear, to hiding, to pointing the finger, to blaming, to being selfish with one another. This is the reality that you and I live in today, that we are supposed to be intimate with one another in this world, but with the effects of the fall in our relationship. So what happened when we lost emotional intimacy? And some of that is what Scott described, but we now, there's a fear of rejection. So if I share who I really am with my husband or a friend, I might be criticized or rejected. If I'm found out for the way that I think or live, um, I won't be loved. Adam and Eve covered those things with fig leaves that were different. And don't we all do that? Don't we hide the things that we think somebody else will think is crazy? Um, for me, I keep about 15,000 emails in my inbox my husband keeps his inbox at zero. We don't talk about that anymore. We kind of hide that. I mean, obviously it's shared now, but... I'm like so stressed thinking of 15,000 emails in my inbox. So those are, those are kind of the silly things that you probably don't even think of. But there are so many other things that we, um, we just don't talk about and we don't share because we're afraid of what that means. Yeah, so I struggle with, with overeating. And so my tendency, because I don't want Kristen to know, is that I'll eat in secret. 
I'll hide. I'll eat the Snickers bar in the bathroom stall. I'll buy candy on the way home and eat it between CVS and my house because I'm afraid of her seeing the things that are different or the ways that I struggle. Another thing is just we are all insecure. We all have insecurities of some kind. Um, We may not recognize them, but we will hide behind those as well. We also expect our spouse to read our mind and to figure out what those insecurities are and what things we might be hiding. And we think that they ought to feel the exact same way that we do. Um, And that's just not true. And so what starts to happen is we don't communicate. We don't share hopes and dreams. We don't share insecurities. We start living parallel lives, more like business partners, exchanging information. Um, We are busy and tired. We lead kind of empty, lifeless, and distant relationship with one another. Yeah, so we talked about emotional intimacy is to know and be fully known without fear of rejection. We just talked about how it's lost in the garden, but here's the good news. It will not be fully restored until we are with the Lord in heaven, but we can restore some of that while here on earth. And so number three is that once what was lost, sorry, what was once lost can now be restored. And so in a fake world where uh, our whole lives are marked by inauthenticity and fake and worthless, we can actually get to experience a glimpse of what heaven will be like in marriage. We have the opportunity to uh, work towards restoring intimacy with one another. This can only happen if there's enough trust communication between you as a couple. And so we're going to talk real practically of, of three ways that we think you can help restore emotional intimacy in your relationship. So we've got three questions to help you restore emotional intimacy. The first one is, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? And if so, who will I share it with? So if there is unconfessed sin in our lives, typically we are managing it. We are hiding it um, because we don't want anybody to know about it. And so we can't be naked um, and without shame. You're afraid of getting caught. Truly, most of your thought life is probably hijacked by whatever it is that you are hiding behind. And so just managing that sin puts a wall up between you. Number two is how can I become more emotionally intimate with my spouse? So Scott is much more in tune with his emotions and his feelings. So this is not difficult for him. He is very authentic. He will tell me the deepest, darkest secrets. I, on the other hand, am not wired that way. And so if you're like me, I am great at compartmentalizing. I can push through and move on. And I really don't even think about what I need to share. And so partly, just if that's the way you're wired, just ask yourself, why am I closed off? Maybe there's some kind of hurt. Maybe I'm holding back some grudge. Um, Maybe there's past fear um, from past relationships of being rejected. So just paying attention to your own emotions and figuring out how you can be more emotionally intimate. And it truly, it's harder to allow ourselves to be known than it is to know somebody else. But long for this. This makes a difference in your marriage. The couples who get healthy get naked in front of each other, and that's both emotional and physical. And so here are a couple real easy things that um, would help, just simple starter points. I feel, you can even start with tired, if that's kind of where you land, or I feel excited about something that happened today. I hope or I want you to know, or I'm excited about, you know, the upcoming event we have. Um, And then show humility, lean in, care, and then thank the other person for sharing and ask questions. What else would you want me to know about this? So the third question is, how can I create a safer place for emotional intimacy in our relationship? So maybe you know how to do this. Maybe uh, you're great at this with friends, but it's just a little more challenging 
within your marriage. And so a question you might have to ask is why can we not be emotionally intimate in our marriage? Maybe it's a safety issue. And so I talked about my eating issue before, the challenges with it. We love going to eat at a place called Super Chicks right up the road. For $5.29, good stewardship, you can get the kid's meal. The kid's meal has two fried chicken strips, which are so good. I think there's a picture of them if you want to see them. (laughs) You can get a bucket of fries that come with it. You get a drink and they've got good sodas, uh, you know, or tea, if you prefer that. And then you get custard as well. It is the greatest deal in the Metroplex. Okay. And so we go there. Great place to go as a family with four boys to feed. It's an awesome place to go. We can, as adults, get the kids' meal as well. If you just go up to the counter and say, can I qualify for the kids' meal, even if I'm over 12? They say, as long as you act like a kid every once in a while, you can get the kids' meal. Not a problem for me, sometimes for Kristen, but we get the kids' meal for six of us. The problem is that does not help me in my desire to be healthy. Instead, what I tell Kristen is, Before we go, make sure I get the salad and the description of the salad. How appealing is this? Our fresh greens are sliced up daily and made to order. It's a house salad plus chicken. Sounds terrible. I mean, that that is not fun. That's not what I want. But I tell Kristen, I need you to help me. I need you to be a great spouse to me right now. And so when we go there, don't let me get fries, no custard, no kids meal. I'm getting the salad. And so four kids order, Kristen orders, I get up there. I'll have the uh, fried avocado sandwich with a fried chicken filet, a large fry, a medium custard, and a drink. It cost me $15 instead of $5.29, and I didn't do anything that I said I was going to do. Kristen lovingly turns to me and says, hey, I thought you were going to get the, uh, the salad. And I said, well, hey, uh, you're not my mom. Back off. <laughs> I'm paying. It's not a big deal. Okay, I, don't, I didn't say it exactly like that. I think I didn't use the mom. I might've thought it. But all I did in that moment is my wife is trying to be a good spouse to me. She's trying to love me. She's trying to encourage me, affirm me, challenge me. And all I did was shut her down in the moment. And so for some of you, you desire this, but safety does not exist in your relationship. Your spouse shares something with you and you shut them down. You hold it over them. You use it as your mission to fix them. They don't feel safe in your marriage. And so the question you might need to ask yourself and your spouse is, do you feel safe coming to to me? Do I create a safe place in our marriage? Do you feel comfortable coming to share anything with me, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing? Do I encourage you? Do I seek out conversation? Do I desire oneness with you? Or do I just shut you down and put you in your place and validate you? Uh, We don't empathize with the other person. We need to learn how to create safety in our relationship. And so we talked about in the beginning, intimacy, which is what we all want, whether we know it or not, is to know to be fully known without fear of rejection. This world does everything it can to reject us. Marriage is supposed to be the safest relationship we have. See, what's what's beautiful about this is that there is a perfect God who loves us perfectly, a perfect God who loves an imperfect people so perfectly through Christ. But yet somehow we choose to not love one another. We don't follow Christ in the way that he loves us. We choose to not pursue one another in the same way. And so instead of being emotionally intimate with one another, we put walls up between us. And I'm just here to tell you tonight, if you want intimacy, and when we think about intimacy, if you want all that intimacy entails, 
spiritual intimacy, physical intimacy, relational intimacy, emotional intimacy, this is worth fighting for. Because I, I will tell you, there is nothing greater besides my relationship with Christ that I can be completely real with Kristen. I don't have to fear that she's gonna run away from me, that she's gonna laugh at me, that she's gonna mock me. And, and she doesn't have to fear that for me either. I love that there is in this world where things are really tough, there is one relationship where it is safe for me to be real, where I don't have to sugarcoat it. I don't have to lie. I don't have to pretend. It's exhausting to manage our reputation. It's exhausting to be fake, to, to have to cover up one lie with another. And it's hard to have that with other people, but this is the relationship where we could do everything we can to pursue intimacy as God intends and as we desire. Maybe the best picture I saw of this uh, came in, in media, came in through the, the TV show, This Is Us. And so I don't know if you like that show. I'm not gonna give away a spoiler of what happened last night. We haven't even watched it yet, but I, I love this show. It's a really good picture often of what marriage should and could look like. And in the end of season one, there's this main couple, Jack and Rebecca. They're the kind of the heroes of the show, the main couple. They start arguing with one another. They've got three kids and at the at triplets, in fact. And at the end of season one, it shows them getting in an argument with one another. And they end up, as the season ends, they end up moving out. And Jack goes and lives on his own in a house. And Rebecca goes back to their home with their three children. Season ends, and now I've got to wait four or five months to figure out what happens. Season two rolls around. In the first episode of season two, it shows them trying to restore the relationship. Rebecca goes over to the house where Jack is living, knocks on the door and says, Jack, you need to come home. And he says to her, he says, Rebecca, I'm drunk right now. I've been drunk all day. I've been drunk for weeks. I have a problem. I've hidden it from you for a very long time. I'm embarrassed. I'm very sorry. I need to fix this on my own. And he shuts the door on her. It goes to commercial and I go, great. It's ruined again. Jack and Rebecca are done. Commercials roll around, comes back on and Rebecca's knocking on the door again. She open, or Jack opens the door and she says to him, says, that's not what we do. That's not who we are. That's not us. You are my husband. I am your wife. If you have a problem, we'll fix it together. And I watch and I go, Jack and Rebecca get it. Hollywood gets it in a, in a way that so many of us don't, that we can address our issues together. We can take on our dreams together. We don't have to fear that the other one is going to run away from, from us. And so this idea of intimacy, of, of knowing of being fully known without fear of rejection is absolutely worth fighting for. Do you create a safe place in your relationship? Are you willing to uh, fight for intimacy so that you can be everything God intends for you in your relationship? That's what God desires for us. That's what we all want. If we're honest, we want to be real with the person that we are one flesh with. Let me pray. So God, thank you for your beautiful, perfect picture of marriage. Thank you for the way that you intend it for us. Thank you that you desire great things for us. Thank you that you desire for us to know, to be fully known without fear of rejection. Thank you that you want us and long for us to be naked without shame. God, may we fight for that in our relationships. God, help us to, to not give up, to not quit, to not just, uh, just keel over and not fight for this in our marriage. Help us to do whatever we need to do to be in relationship with you that is intimate and relationship with one another that's intimate. Thank you that it can be restored. Thank you for the way that your son Jesus pursued us so perfectly. The way that you loved us through Christ, the way that you still love us through your son, through your spirit, through your word. 
And so God, I pray that these couples would long for the intimacy that you desire for us, that you intend for us to have. And I pray, God, that we would honor you in the way that we pursue it. In your name we pray, amen.